Welcome to another episode of the RAG podcast. And for those of you who don't know, the RAG stands for Recruitment Agency Growth. Since early 2019, I've been interviewing the most successful and innovative recruitment owners to learn how they rose to the top of their game. In season seven, I'm going to be having raw, authentic and insightful conversations with agency owners, entrepreneurs, leaders, people across the industry. And I want to be learning about their ambitions, what's happening behind the scenes in their agencies today and their plans to navigate difficult market conditions. I'll be bringing you the latest and greatest recruitment stories every single week on Wednesdays at noon across multiple platforms. Stay tuned. Welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast live here in Dubai. On this week's show, I'm joined by Calvin Lee Pickett, the CEO and founder of Calvin James Recruitment. Calvin's story is one where he's come from the UK to Dubai as an employee of Robert Half Recruitment, a big global multinational organization, and then started his own business a few years into being here. No experience of being a business owner and has grown organically over the last five years. What's interesting about his journey is working with me for the last 12 months, he's now pivoted his whole business model. So he has his traditional recruitment firm, but he's also now running a candidate community all over the world where he's generating revenue from the candidate side of his database. So he obviously you make money from the client side. He's now monetizing his candidate base. So in this episode, we talk about how he's done that, um, what are his steps he's taken, what are his products and how he's been able to monetize it. Um, if you're interested in finding out how you can generate a new revenue stream from your recruitment business, tune in. Let's get going. So without further ado, Calvin, welcome to the Rag Podcast. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Live in Dubai. Yeah, live in Dubai. You you literally begged me to come over to Dubai. Yeah, couldn't wait for you to get back, <laughs> mate. It was good. We so we know each other um, as a you know we worked together and we met up a few months ago in Dubai. Um, so it is amazing seeing you again within seven eight months. I am going to live here eventually. You keep yeah, telling me. Sure you will. I'll make it here. Um, Calvin, before we get into your story, just give everyone who's listening an overview of you the business, what the, what you recruit, really like yep. bird's eye, no detail, just people, headcount, niche, that kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. So um, I run a, an agency called Calvin James Recruitment, covering the Middle East markets based out of Dubai. Our specialisms are finance and accounting, HR, legal, technology, and sales recruitment yep. across all industries. Okay. We've just launched another product, which is the Calvin James Community yep. that runs alongside it. I'll give you a bit more detail into that, but that's kind of a coaching, networking business that kind of runs um it kind of creates a full circle effect for what we offer as an agency as yeah. well for the candidate side and kind of, how many people you got now got a team of we'll have a team of nine by february so we've got one person just landed from london today um so he'll start monday mm-hmm. and then we've got another person back end of feb that will start two new recruits so that'll take you to nine or eleven i'll take you to nine nine so that'll be nine then we've got all on the ground in the UAE. That'll be all UAE based. Yeah. 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 And you're obviously not from the UAE, from Liverpool originally. From, well, originally I was born in a place called Chester. Right, yeah. I was right. You know Chester, yeah. And so I would, early life, um, I moved, my dad was in the army. Mm. So we moved around. So my dad was from Liverpool, mum from Chester. We moved around a lot, down south, army camps, then right. back up north as uh, probably eight or nine. Yeah. Um, but yeah. My ex was from Chester. Really? Vickers Cross. Okay. Do you know that area? I do know. I don't, Chester's not really my home now. Uh, yeah. I, I'd say I'm from Liverpool. Yeah. But I was born in Chester. I was brought up in Liverpool. Right, yeah. That, I, that, I always found it was like, Chester was basically 
people who wanted to a bit like Warrington they either wanted to be Mancunian or Liverpool, Liverpool. Between, probably yeah. more Liverpool in Chester mixed, a lot more Liverpool Man U fans and Liverpool yeah. fans yeah a lot more Liverpool Chester Warrington is literally someone could have a Scouse accent or a Mank accent and live next to yeah door. That's, that's why my accent's a little bit yeah. not as strong as well I get that I left Manchester was 18 and uh, I don't sound I either sound totally Mank or not Mank I mean I, yeah. whatever people want they can choose um, how did you end up in recruitment tell us that story so I as as you do you kind of Fin- well, I finished university. Uh, I did a product design right. degree, which was a bit sort my why different. All right, okay. So I did that um, from the back of finished my A level. You just kind of go into university as everyone yeah, does, yeah. and you just think you have to do it. Um, but by the time I finished, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just wanted to earn some money and money to go out, basically and party a lot of the time back then. So that was my life, was just living for the weekends. So I ended up getting a job with a load of my mates. Um, selling gas and electricity in Liverpool City Centre. Right. Which was... Knocking on doors. Good fun. No, no, studying this. Cold calling. Cold calling. So that was my first real intro into sales, mm. proper. So doing 80 calls a day, just generating leads to pass the sales team. Wow. So we're on like, probably getting paid like 16K. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bit of commission at the end of it. But anyway, so that got me into sales. Um, after a year there... I. You know, I wanted I want sort of more of a career path. I didn't really know what career I wanted, but I was pretty good at the sales side of it. Um, and I got introduced to someone in my gym that was at a company called Enterprise Rent a Car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I managed to get us their graduate management scheme um, back in. Big company, Enterprise, right? Yes, that's why I chose. I was like, right, okay, there's a bit of a career path. They want to get you to manage the branch or the region. Um, big US listed firm. The guy that I knew was doing well, yeah. looked like he was earning decent money, so I got went through there, got the job there, um, and I, I kind of excelled on the sales side of it, but lost a bit of interest with the management, and that's when I kind of really honed in on like, w- what else can I do? Because yeah. in Enterprise, you, it, it, it's a really good place to ground, yeah, because you work hard, yeah, you're in at seven a.m. in the morning in your suit, really washing cars. Then you're picking up the customer. Then you're upselling them in the car to bring them back. Wow. Then you get into desk and you upsell them on the car that they've got with the insurance and all this right, stuff. Yeah. And that's how you, you make the branch makes money. So actually, indirectly, really prepared me well for recruitment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're in long hours. There was no real commission at that point. Mm. You're just getting recognized through being a top salesman in the region. And they'll take you on an elite club. And then you go to... Delamere Forest and do go ape climbing in the tree. Yeah, and you, but the thing is, an afternoon off, you don't, you only know what you know. So you, yeah, sure, that's time. Yeah, to that, that's good, right? And then you think, well, you hear about commission and you're like, that's it. Yeah, and it was, and I was finishing like the top of all these sales competitions, like month on month, and you're getting paid in like John Lewis vouchers. <laughs> so I had this big stack of John Lewis, and the only time I go to John Lewis is yeah. Christmas to get. My mum and dad's presents, yeah, yeah. which would like be a bottle of gin or, I don't know, a bath bomb. Yeah, <laughs> a candle. That'll be it, or a candle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chocolate. So so I had these, and I was like, right, it's okay. This might not be the way I want to go with my career. And at that point, my girlfriend at the time, she had got a job with Michael Page. So she moved down to Milton Keynes for that job. That's where her family were from anyway. Right. So she moved to Milton Keynes with that job. I'd seen she started doing really well. I started making loads of money. She kind of mentioned, like, was involved. I thought, I'm doing a lot of that now. Yeah. But I'm not getting paid for it. I'm looking at my manager, I'm looking at his manager, and they're not really earning the money I thought they'd be earning. Yeah. So that was I really understood that point. I'm quite money focused yeah. right now. And that's my motivation is to start getting money in um and then move up the ladder. So 
got introduced to a guy at Robert Half called Ashley Whitman. He, if he's if he's listening, probably will listen. I'll tell him about it. But yeah. um, he was like the global. She was Michael Page and you were at Robert Hart. Yeah, so she was Michael Page at the time, but I got introduced to Robert Hart because they were trying to poach her from right, Page. Right. So they actually wanted her, not me. Because they're proper competitive, them two, aren't they? Yeah. Mm. Finance and accounting, mm. both of them, Michael Page UK, Robert Half US listed. Um, but Ashley Whitman was trying to get her on board because she was good. And I was kind of like the pawn in the middle, and she got a job somewhere else. She went, oh, because my boyfriend's looking yeah. at the time. So she introduced me to her. Five, six interviews later, I'm getting the offer. I'm like, right, that was my first. And you were living in Liverpool? So I moved down to Milton Keynes at this point. Yeah, yeah. So I got a transfer with Enterprise Rent-A-Car right. for their Milton Keynes Never. branch. And they left. They must have been happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they weren't too happy at that point. But anyway, it was a, it was a career choice yeah. at that point. And I realised if I get into recruitment, um, I can be in control of my own earnings. That was the whole idea of it. I was like, right, I want to control what I'm earning. Yeah. I don't want to just wait for someone to promote me to manage. What year was this? 2011, right. 2010. Same so. time as me. Yeah, so it was, that was my first way in. And I remember I got to the stage five of interviewing and Ash was just like, he wasn't really giving me anything back. And I just said, listen, I have to make something up. I don't think he knows this, but I just went, listen, I've got three other offers. Yeah. Michael Page, Rob Walters and someone else. Yeah. I need to make a decision this week. He went, oh, okay. And he went missing from the meeting for like 10 minutes. Came back and clung. Came back and he went, how much do you want? And I was like, all right, okay. 26 I was on like 17k I said 26 yeah, okay done yeah I was thinking should have should have said 30 <laughs> I should have said 30 that's that but anyway that was my first way in yeah and and then Robert Half was just a really good place to train mm. you know the process procedures the policies that it's all around customer centric approach to recruitment mm. and that's why again I didn't realize at the time my MD, a guy called Phil Sheridan at that time, was um, he, he got me in the office when I first joined. He does that with everybody. He went, actually, what Robert Half looked for is ex-enterprise employees, which wow. I didn't realize at the time, because what I was learning back then was actually prepping me for recruitment. So grafting, all hours of the day, six days a week. Communication. But I wasn't even getting paid for it then. Mm-hmm. So if I get started getting paid for it, imagine what I could do. Yeah. So that that's kind of what I was in. So. Went into it back then in 2011, and that was my first way into recruitment. Without going into that for eight, like, if you run a whistle-stop tour of your, your career before you launch your business. Yeah. How did it progress? Was it top biller route? Was it leadership route? Yeah, so I was, I would say I joined back end of 2010, I think it was. So October, so my real first year was 2011. Yeah. And I got recognized for the best rookie, they called it, yeah. American, for the region. They take you to like the Savoy and you do a big event. So I, I started off pretty well. Um, but numbers wise, at that point, I was probably doing 200K, which I was a year and a half in. That's which, what I did in my first full year in London. Yeah, it was around about that. And then I split up with my girlfriend at the time. Right. I was stuck in Milton Keynes, working for Robert Half, like what we're doing in Milton Keynes. Fuck that. And um, a, a girl I knew. Who's now my wife from Enterprise Rent-A-Car? Is that where you met? Yeah, yeah, that's where we met. Yeah. So we um, we kept in touch. We were mates at the time, um, but yes, that started to, to develop into something more. Yeah. So then I've moved to Milton Keynes. She's in Liverpool still. She gets a job at Emirates. Right. At that point, so four months into the relationship, or well, kind of relationship, we we're trying to develop at that point, and and that's that was the route to Dubai. So then you're how long into? Robert Arthur at this point? About two years, just under two, two years. years. Living in Milton Keynes. Living in Milton Keynes. Travel, starting to date back and forth from Liverpool. Yep. 
and thinking, would you thinking at that point I might go home, end up being back in Liverpool? No, I didn't even think that at the time. I just like this is I'm pretty serious about yeah. this kit. Like I can tell this is yeah, like this is me. You know, yeah. like, what, and when they say when you know, you know. That's how you I get felt. The job do was it? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So cabin crew, cabin crew. So I didn't know anything really about Emirates at that point. No. Or Dubai. I never been. No. I, and she was like, I got a job. Oh, right. great. Well done. So I got to move to Dubai. It's like, oh, right, it's okay. And she was at the point where she was like, okay, we're going quite well. What do I do? And I said, listen, just take the job. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be type of thing. So she took it. She moved in like June 2014. Yeah. And I said to my, I didn't even speak to my boss at that point. I went to his boss, which they didn't like. Yeah. I didn't realize that they wouldn't like that. I just wanted to go straight to the decision maker. I was like, right, I need to go to Dubai. What can we do? She was like, Ooh. did you have an office? Did they have offices there? Yeah, they had offices there. So that's, I knew they had an office and I was like, that's the easiest route to get out there. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing all right where I am. They probably don't want to lose me off that desk, which is why they try and keep me for like 12 months yeah. to, to kind of replace. But I pushed it through and we, I got, I, I ended up moving in September. So that's, your, num- your dates are mad. Like I got in recruitment in March 11. Yeah. You were like the, just before, but October 2010 is when I went traveling, which is when you started. Right. And then my first trip to Dubai was October 14. Oh, really? After you start, that's, that's when I landed. I know I've been here, and I've been coming every year. So I mean, I've not lived here. Madness. But that is that is mad timing. Yeah, yeah. So, and my first impressions of Dubai at that time was we were staying in Emirates accommodation, which was by the airport. Did you travel here on holiday like before moving? I'd never been. So you literally moved, literally yeah. just landed. <laughs> I like that. Oh, no. That was that was it. I was, I'm out. Did that's... you suddenly go though from a salary tax to a tax-free salary? Yeah. To say, I bet that was exciting, wasn't it? Yeah, so so the uplift on the initial package was there, and at, at that point I didn't really think because I'm leaving. I've just started to establish myself. Yeah, yeah. Like, Keynes, I'm, like, I'm leaving a good debt. Commission. Moment. Yeah, someone's just going to take. Is it contract or perm? I was doing temp. Was it non-qual temp? Mm. So like credit controllers and all yeah, that. Okay. So just get loads of people out. But um, the market in the UK was was mad because I was I I only had like the second half of the alphabet in Northampton. That was my market. <laughs> And I had to try and I made money there. Oh, I don't know how I made money there. I don't oh, know. What did you do for? I worked with the second half of the alphabet in normal. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking brilliant. It was all like big logistics companies and whatever. Some big companies there. So I actually picked up some. So which letter does it? Was it N? I think it was from N onwards. Yeah, something. And if you'd be pissed if someone came in on the letter before. Yeah, got there's always an issue with it. And you're like, should I keep hold of that one or not? Yeah. Anyway, but it was it was super like restricted to what you could work with in, yeah. in, in Robert Half at that point anything I picked up which was call out to pass Ugh. Um, if it wasn't in my alphabet I'd have to big business it. so then you moved to Dubai you've yeah. never been here and what would you say your first impressions were it it felt like it was third world really honestly because where we were staying by the airport it just wasn't what I expected because I yeah. pictured Dubai as all the beaches wow. five star seven star hotels all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff and it wasn't that and I was getting at that point, I thought, I'm not going to spend on getting a car. I'm like, overhead's low. I want to prove myself. So I was getting the Metro to the IFC every day, yeah. which I had to switch over at Union, which is, I don't know if you've done the Metro. I probably haven't never done it. So anyway, I was doing that every day. And when the summer hit, I was like, I, I, I was like, what, what's going on? I can't do this. We need to move closer. So we ended up moving to the IFC. But um, once we moved there, that's when I started to really feel like, okay, this is... And she stayed carrying cabin crew for... Uh, she was cabin crew for yeah. a long time. Yeah. So how, how was the... What was her schedule like? Because that's mad hours, right? Yeah, so it's like, you just like, she's off one day, in the other day. Like she couldn't plan a life. Yeah, and you struggled. To so she's like, on call for a month. Yeah, so it was just like, hit and miss when we could do things. We couldn't plan anything. No. 
with with Emirates hostesses, they, they kind of got to wait month by month to what their schedule is going to be. So you can't plan anything. So it's you all just going off brushes on your own and meeting with clients, I mean, mates. And... Yeah, yeah, just trying to go out with the lads from work or just whoever, just trying to build relationships with people on, you know, on a, on a friendship basis to try and get out there, try and build your network. And that's when you start actually, in, in an expat community, you start, I, was, I started thinking, right, I actually need to start socializing with people I'm doing business with. Yeah. Because then it makes sense for me to spend money for one. Yeah. Because I could potentially get money back off it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of the people I started building fr- like friendships with were candidates and clients. Yeah. And that's, again, how I, that was the start of me thinking about my own business. So when did that, when did you make the decision you were going to be setting up Calvin? Yeah. Um, very quickly, I realized how much of a relationship-driven market Dubai was yeah. and how different it was from the UK. So like I mentioned, when I, my market was very small in the mm. UK, and each city has a page, a Walters, a half, dissected across the whole UK. Very difficult to break into that. Whereas here, there's one page, one Rob Walters, one Rob Half, Hayes, covering the whole Middle East region. Right. So first of all, the market's wide open for smaller agencies. That's why you've, you'll get meet a few of them and you know about it anyway. So that was the first part. And I was like, right, okay, so I can actually start doing business with people, even if it's on my own. I got five clients. I'll make some decent money. And there's there's the various things about Robert Half I like, but a lot I didn't like with the old school mentality and and, and way of doing things in certain areas. I, I just felt I wanted to build my own culture at some point, but I wanted to, to learn from them because yeah. there were some really good billers. Um, there, there was just some uh, that team I joined in 2014. I think I counted the other day, maybe nine of us out of the 20 have set up our own companies. Wow, it's a good group. It, like I went onto that desk, F&A, and the, the, I think the, the shortest amount of time of someone being on that desk was about four years. Wow. So it was all really tight. Yeah. And everyone had their business, all the good accounts were locked in. So at that point as well, I've landed and trying to prove myself, scrapping around, trying to find new accounts, stuff that's fell out of cycle, just picking up jobs where I can. Yeah. But that really refined me because yeah. then all I had to do was bring a new business. Mm. So I focused on like, okay, what are the best markets? like hospitality, retail. I think I looked at like pharma and some other bits and I just focused all my time on meeting senior people in, the area, in those yeah. areas to try and pick up new business. And I was driving down Shakeside Road from a meeting. I'll be taking notes of all the businesses along the road. Right. Like, I was just literally just doing anything I could just to survive and hit target at that yeah. point because I'm coming onto such an established desk. But that actually, that really put me in a good place for when I set up. Was there a point though, or something happened in your life that, or at work, that made you go right? I'm definitely going to do it now. Um, there, there was a couple of things where I lost a bit of trust with the management. Yeah, and I won't, obviously I won't go into detail on, but I just thought mm, I don't really see how I'm going to maximize what I want to do here. Yeah, if I'm going to maximize my space, which is recruitments, I want to do it on my own. I want to build something. I want to get a team under my ethos. Build a culture. What year was that? 2018. 2018. So by 2016, I knew. So you've done two years, you start to think, I know, and then you do another two planning and working. And- yeah, I got promoted from that, right. from senior consultant to manager to then director, and I managed the whole region for the, uh, the Middle East for the FNA finance and accounting team. So so that was then, all right, I've got what I need. Now I'm confident to go out and, and do my own thing, which is 2018. I wanted to settle before 2020. Obviously, if you're doing that in Dubai, you're an employee of another company on a visa. Yeah. How, how what, 
without going into yeah. the whole story, how complex is it to then set your own company up in Dubai well, when you're a, it, not even a resident of the, you know? Yeah, it's, it's quite easy actually because you get people to do it for you. Yeah. You pay a bit more. But initially, I tried to do it myself and I set up one in Sharjah. And then by the time I'd handed them a resignation, it, they weren't giving any visas out. So I had to cancel that one and then panic and pay a company to set one up for me. So I ended up setting up in Fujairah at that point. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it, it was, it was really straightforward, but you just pay a bit of a premium for that to do that. But at the same time, I mean, I'll, I'll mention this, uh, when I handed him a resignation and, um, I found out Miss was pregnant at the same time. So then that same, that same, literally the same week I oh. resigned, I found out she's pregnant off, off the back of, with your first kid. Of uh, a trip to Italy, that picture just shows you. Oh, wow. that's, that's <laughs> when it happened. But beware of Italy, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll have it, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no Italy. Not going. Yeah, so off the back of that, that all happened at the same time. So it was, it was a bit stressful. Um, what One question I've got around, I've literally just come out of a conversation with a recruitment owner in Dubai that was telling me, very hard to get any credit to rent places. You have to even get... Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. When you haven't got three years of accounts in Dubai, five years, basically got to buy everything. You got the capital to buy a car to rent a house yeah. six months or a year in advance. Yeah, how did you cope with that? So I'd saved up because I'm like over cautious. I I got twelve months yeah in the bank there. So it was at that point to either buy a house or set my business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like right, we're setting up. I'm gonna invest this into business and people, whatever. Yeah. I'm gonna grow it. So at that point, we already had the car and so you'd already set up. Done. I was just like overheads. We're going to start up mode. Overheads as low as possible. You're not working. You're not getting any money yeah. bringing into the messes. So. You focus on just being pregnant at this time and relaxing. I'm going to focus on trying to get... So you literally, she quits her job, Matt leave. You quit your job to start. Yeah. So there's no... All at the same in. time. There's no money coming into the house. Oh, so and you're pregnant. Wow. I, I would never advise anyone to, to do that, but there's never a good time to no. do it. So doing it all at once wasn't a bad thing, actually, because yeah. then you're like, right, this has to work. And you're both in it together, clean slate. We're yeah. going, right? So I would never... I, there's never a good time. So we, if we were planning having a baby, we'd never have one. She's like, oh no, let's just wait, let's do the you'd never do it. No. So we just it just ended up happening anyway, all at once, in the deep end. Um, but it was actually the best way to do it. When I think back, just doing it all together. Was it twenty nineteen you launched the business there? Twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Back end of twenty eighteen. So I actually the business I set it up in October, but we actually went live in November. So you have about what? Just under a year and a half before COVID kicked in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so oh, our 2020 was Expo year. So I was like, I want to set up before Expo. I want to run up to Expo. Yeah. yeah. That was the whole idea of setting up as soon as... That didn't even hit till 21, did it? Because it was delayed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was... Where's the name? Obviously, Calvin is your name. Yeah. James, a middle name. I was like, where's that? Called? That's my middle name, yeah. Is it? It's, I didn't think too hard about the name at the point, <laughs> as you can see. <laughs> and I, people do say the piss a little bit. But <laughs> at that point, I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to overthink it. I don't need a little quirky name. I'm just going to say... Calvin James recruitment. That's what we do. Well, there's a lot of me. Something James recruitment, though, they're like this. It sounds like a recruitment James company. Like, yeah, yeah, like Robert Half. I, I yeah. think that's what I was just conditioned to. I thought, let's just do that. Don't matter. But that came to bite me later on. Like it's talking about getting credit and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I didn't realize that no one would touch it. Yeah. Try and buy a house. Try and get finance. Five years. Wow. Sure. When I hit five years, it was like then. Oh, actually, you know, you need to put down forty percent, not twenty percent. So then that all the every time you get to a point where you think you hit a, a goal, um Miles, a milestone, something else. Hits. It gets pushed a bit further away. So it, it was quite difficult and that I didn't not that I wanted to take any credit for like loans or anything, but if I wanted to, I couldn't. 
we just hit our five-year mark by the way october yeah. which was a massive thing for us um but that side of it i didn't think about beforehand it was just like right let's set it up as cheap as possible no office coffee shops and all that yeah for the for the year get some clients in the first placement i made was actually um my boss was working the same long <laughs> my previous boss big multinational first place in 120k fee wow don't i like right feel good now then, don't, then don't yeah then what you don't think about is the lead times getting paid yeah yeah so i'm just desperate to sign that client up yeah never worked with them before big us listed company so sign them up at crap terms 12 percent or something and then they want six month payment terms it takes two or three months to get that job done nine months to- so i'm not getting paid actually the lead time's getting paid so then the first half of the year I didn't actually bring any money in wow I was waiting for stuff to all drop in so the second half of the year boom it all starts dropping in big chunks and I'm like now it's worth it this is what I wanted how did your wife respond in those times because just did she get any support from government or anything be so mat leave Emirates she got grounded so they don't get paid a salary but they cover your maternity no. and they expect you to come back after it which she wasn't planning to. No. It was like, right, once you finish that, you're coming to work with us. Yeah. Because in the UK, before Enterprise, I think it was about the same time, she set up like an outsourced EAPA company. So I was like, you're just going to recruit EAs and PAs yeah. for me. Dead easy. We'll do that. Yeah. Um, so I started training her up when she was pregnant. Last of the day, slammed the door, and she never came back in the office. <laughs> but now she's she's ready to come back now. So I do say we've got the best maternity package in the market because she's been on maternity for five years. Yeah. So right. yeah, amazing. Yeah, but she's honestly she's been amazing because she's obviously we're in a different country. Yeah, got no family support around. We've got two kids now. Yeah, four year old and a two year old, two girls, Aurelia and Olivia. And and without that support for me to go out and do what I'm doing it with the business, allows you to do it. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to be doing this right now. It'd be impossible. So that in itself having and people don't think about that like yeah. you know this show talks a lot about building your business but actually the backbone of your family behind you yeah is is un- fundamentally gonna make such a difference it can make or break it like you know i went through the divorce after hoxo was well i got married two years in and then divorced i'm in my third year wow. and that was a big that was a fucking hard year like you know going from to be honest, our relationship, as soon as Hoxo started, just started sliding because I think she was used to me living a top biller lifestyle and suddenly it was like, we ain't got that to spend. I probably overdid it in the first year of Hoxo, trying to live a lifestyle for her, still going on holidays and all this. Yeah. And then I just went, fuck this, like we're, we're, we're cutting all costs down. And that was probably the start of the slide of our relationship, I think. Um, but that, that year of turbulence I went through when... It was just horrific. Yeah, I couldn't imagine it, that. We still did all right, but I was mentally not able to be there all the time. I was in the room, but I wasn't in the room. So to have someone to choose a partner, whether yeah. it's a business partner or a wife, husband, whatever, it's really important, isn't it, to get it right. A message from our sponsor, Vincere. Another of their products is known as Time Temp. This is your complete integrated timesheet workforce management solution. It's pre-built, it's pre-integrated, and it's designed so no matter how much your business grows, you'll be able to keep track of every single worker in one place in your CRM. All the changes inside Vincherry will sync with TimeTemp and will be fed back into your account, automating the entire process with two-way sync from your front to back office. Vincere's time temp enables you to create shift schedules, search available workers, shortlist and book assignments in seconds. They'll also allow you to track time, track leave, track expenses within their built-in payroll engine. 
It's called Door Clock. And then they've also got a mobile app for the on-the-go worker. If, again, you're looking to get more from your CRM, Vincere's Time Temp Solution is another tool that enables you to perform more of your business-critical processes in your CRM. Find out if you could use Time Temp via the link in the show notes. Right, let's get back to it. Yeah, if you want to build, it's it, it's not something you can really choose, just happens, right? Yeah. And then when you're in the situation, that's when you really see Who's what the relationship's about, you know? But don't get me wrong, we've had seriously hard times mm-hmm. in that time because although I'm out there working, trying to build a business, which we're doing really well at the moment, um, it takes a lot of your time. And the purpose for me doing this is for the family, yeah. effectively, to set them up, to, to be comfortable, all that sort of stuff. But actually, it was taking me away from the family. Yeah. So again, there's there's been ups and downs on that About side of that. Well, yeah, it's difficult. You know, not building a business from scratch. Although I know the industry, I'm not reinventing the wheel. It's difficult. You know, you you need to work harder than the competition that are established. And that that's that. If we go back been, to that COVID period, yeah. What was it like going into that? What was the business looking like? I, I Eighteen just, months. Yeah. Ago? So I just obviously I had a really good end to that first full year. And I was like, right now, because when I set up, I didn't think too much about what's going to happen over the next two, three years. Just like, let's just survive the first year and see what happens. But I had enough money then to hire people. So I brought in two people back in the 2019. So imagine um, one's an experienced recruiter and one is brand new. From the UK? um, One's from the UK, just moved over to Dubai. So he didn't actually, I didn't bring him until March, just as lockdown happened. Wow. And Sam, Sam Mazzotta, who came from real estate. So I met him. He rented me my villa. Wow. I was like, you'd be good at recruitment because he was just on it. Good energy, good communications, built a report. You had everything you needed, right? So that when I set up the company, something Robert Half wouldn't let me do was bring in new people like that. Right. It was always looking for experience, which I, I kind of get now. But at the time, I was like, right, there's a lot of good people out there. They just need yeah, they a bit need- of training because recruitment's when you put it on paper, it's simple. One thing you can't train is the mentality, the desire, all that sort of stuff. And Sam had all of that. Yeah. So he's still with us now, and he's been our top biller for the last three or four years. Awesome. So he's he's doing, and he works remotely from home. You know, he comes in one one day a week. He loves it. He's in South Africa one month. He's in Maldives. Yeah. He just does what he needs to do. So anyway, so I my idea was to bring in new people, train them up, because I'd done it previously at Robert Half. Yeah. My brother Darren Lee Pickett, if he's listening, he will be, I'm sure. And um, I trained him up as a as a resource there, and he became a really consistent top biller in that business. Wow. So I had the confidence I could do it. Yeah. With Sam, did the same thing. COVID hit March. He's learning at this point. Yeah, that's tough. So we're working like in a shared workspace every day next to each other. Then COVID comes, locks it down. So he goes three months into the job. Like what to do? So we're literally Zooming every single day. Because he's had all that questions. Yeah, I could have. But just before it locked down, we he did a big deal. So I'd obviously picked up a lot of business from him. I was passing over and trying to coach him through it. And he just dropped in a 100K deal. If that hadn't have happened, I don't know if he'd still be with me today. Yeah. But that, that happened just before. So he got paid off the back of that a month or two later. And then the other lad that joined, he lasted three months. Brilliant guy. He's, he's in, a guy called Dan Frost. He's in Japan now. Right. Um, but his missus lost the job. Oh, right. She was a teacher. Um, a teaching assistant. He had to go back to the UK, covered. So all we did was like, right, heads down, me and Sam, literally every day, don't worry about too far ahead, just just make calls. Do the basis. Things are still happening, right? So we ended up picking up our biggest account to date in COVID. Wow. So we just had to be agile. So mm. we were just like, right, what areas are booming? So you've got like 
all this online tech stuff was kicking off, deliveries, um, and then obviously in healthcare. So we picked up a healthcare solutions clients and we were placing like medical directors in Saudi and they were setting up COVID hospitals globally. Wow. So off the back of that, we ended up getting enough business through that to take us through and come out the second half of the year, Dubai opened up again. Because mm. there was a point in Dubai where you had to go on an app, apply for a license to go to the shop for an hour. It's bonkers, isn't it? They, sent it to you. they had drones going down the street, Check. spraying like mist or whatever it was to try and clean. I don't know what they were doing, but it was crazy. So at that point, we got through it and then we came out in a really strong position um, into the next year. We had another, I think it was two or three people off the back of that. Again, at this point, I was on the commission-only structure. I was doing the real estate model. So tell us about that. So for people that don't understand what you mean, you were bringing yeah. people in with no salary. Pure. No salary, because I, I was under the impression that you know, I'll get people like me, just need to get up every day, need, know, need what they, know what they need to do, and they're in control of their own money, effectively. Every deal you do, you get paid on. Yeah. But you get paid more than what the other yeah, of course. Com- competition get paid. The only risk you're taking is you're on commission only. Yeah. Okay, so if you're any good, if you're a good recruiter, work for me, you'll earn more money than anywhere else. Salary and recruitment's a bit of an illusion. Yeah. If you're not making past your threshold, you're gone anyway at some point. So I'm like, why do you need it? So I, I pay them a three-month salary just as a bit of a, a takeoff part. Yeah. yeah. But then every, everyone had done a deal within three months that I'd had on that. But um, with Sam, it worked perfectly. He'd been, he'd been in real estate for two years in Dubai, was making good money. He just wants a bit more of a, a, a balance because real estate was taking his weekends up and all that. He was doing good money in that, but he wants a bit more of a balance and a bit more professional, less cutthroat environment. Although recruitment is still cutthroat. Yeah. Nowhere near as much as the real estate market. So that's it worked for him. All right, great. First, I couldn't believe it. First employee, absolutely flying. It's only when I started doing that and bringing in fresh people from new businesses with the same sort of attitude, but I, I kind of didn't have the time for everybody. If you know what I mean? I was too stretched. I'm still doing my billings. The business is fully reliant on me. Yeah. So then I, I came to, the, after two or three years of, of bringing in commission-only people, some good, some bad, really, I need to change this because I'm spending all my time training. My billings are dropping now. So we're at a point now, if someone doesn't work out, it's actually getting pretty bad. Yeah. So then I just flipped the whole thing and we've gone. So why does it giving someone a salary make a difference? So it was more about attracting experienced recruits that didn't need my training. As so the point, experienced recruiters are the ones who won't sacrifice the salary. It's actually people without experience that will take the risk. Yeah, that's, that, that's really, what I found. That's what I found. Uh, yeah, it is. You think it's but the good people aren't going to move unless something's happened a lot of the time. Yeah. Like they fell out with someone or... I don't know. I just found when I was at Robert Half, we'd have people come and go all the time. And the best people we brought in was from the UK. Yeah. They were looking to move out. They had an edge. They were in a competitive market in the UK. They were coming out with something to prove. Highly motivated yeah, yeah. market anyway. So I kind of went back to that. Yeah. I went, right. I just need one or two years experience that I can kind of, they're more moldable. They've still got the energy. Yeah. Because if you compare someone from like real estate that's coming in, trying to learn a new industry, like recruitment, they've got all the skill set, you just need to fine-tune him. And you compare someone, 10 years recruitment experience, been around three or four different agencies, I'd always choose that new session mindset because they just come in with way more, mm. you know, more an, an edge. They're probably more loyal as well. At that point. You get the loyalty, but also they're, just, they're not just been there, done it. On the way human. down. I, I tend to, people at that stage, 
this, this, you know, they either sit up on their own or they just stay where they are a lot of the time. So again, I don't want to generalize, but no. that's how I felt with the people I was meeting. Yeah. Um, but again, I had to make a business decision. This is a, I've never run a business before, yeah. right? And this was my idea. I was going to bring in this whole remote working thing from the start before COVID even hit. Um, everyone's got creative freedom to to business develop how they want to do it. They come into the office as a central hub. We all meet at a shared service center, a, a shared service, sorry, a shared, um, a serviced office. Can't speak. Um, and it was great initially, but then when I thought about scaling it, it was difficult to then hire hire more people with experience because, again, for one, I didn't really have an identity in, internally. We had no culture because it was all like everyone's dotted around. Yeah. And then I was like, right, okay, how do I kind of attract people to work for me? So you've got the two challenges. You've got the model of the model of which which type of person you hire, and then it's attracting them and keeping. Well, it's three challenges: attracting them, keeping, and creating a culture. It's all yeah. And this is something that you're one of thousands of agencies that have the same problem. Right? Same thing, yeah. And again, that I've never run a business before. People got to remember that when they're launching a recruitment firm or when they're in the, they're already done it. Every we're all in the same boat. Like no one, only you know what you know. We're all making yeah. mistakes. It's normal. It's absolutely yeah. normal. So when when are we where are we at now? Timeline. So probably on about between twenty one and twenty two. Right. And the market realized booming at this point. Yeah, yeah. So the opportunity we're busy for yeah. busy. Like we I mean, I think Sam had done a million dirhams <clears throat> within the first six months of the year. Wow. On tech. You know, so we're working on this big time about two hundred. Two hundred K yeah, two, it's over two hundred K, yeah. Um so we we're in a good place. But now I'm at a vulnerable place as well because I need to make sure I reinvest that, whatever we're making on that, into good people to then yeah. expand the team and, and, and grow the presence. But I'd, I'd kind of rushed the recruitment and I didn't bring the right people in at that point. I was trying to grow for the sake of growing. Whereas now I'm like, I'm only going to grow for the right people. Yeah. So at that point, I'm like, right, first thing we need to do is build an internal culture to attract people to work for us. So that's when I thought, okay, we're going from, rather than being a serviced office, I want to get our own office. This is when I got introduced to you. So yeah. Sam actually got me onto the Rag Podcast yeah, initially. Yeah, yeah. So I think you'd, you'd connected with Sam previously, but that's when I started um, listening to that. We had the chat. I joined the Hawk Show. We'll talk. Yeah, about so you, that. I think you joined us in the January, wasn't it? Yeah, it was over Christmas a year ago. It was. It was a year ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that that initially then just gave me a, a completely new dynamic for how our business looks in the public forum. What do you mean by that for people that don't understand personal brand? the brand of the business and just rather than because when I was at big agency it was all under the radar recruitment you don't want to share anything you don't you're on LinkedIn but you're not really active I didn't really see the value in it at that point because no. you kind of almost brainwashed into just being this cog in the machine yeah turning it around churning transactional type of recruitment whereas now I'm like okay I've had my eyes open to what you were, you were doing and let's let's see what it's about at the same time as getting a new office space, building out our, our team, bringing more experienced recruiters in then to have a base to really take off. And we're at this five, you know, we've come, come up to, we just hit the five-year point now. And that's all done. Yeah. So, so I'm so glad I did it at that point, made the decision to do it. But like the last two and a half, a year and a half has been a bit of a, a stress. Yeah. And we did to try and make that transition, find new people, grow the brand. And now we're in a good place. We, we're in a good place. So when you say, if we go back, so you joined us at the start of the year. What what impact has it actually had on if all of you now know what to do on LinkedIn? Because yep. that's what we've taught you guys a methodology, right? Of individually what you should be doing on LinkedIn. What impact does that have? 
has a massive, massive impact, not just for showing what we're about. It gives you a rounded view of not just professionally what we do, but us as people. Yeah. And what I liked about it is rather than going to a marketing agency and having a campaign, just saying, oh, we do this, this, and this, really rigid. Every single one of my team now grows their own personal brand. Yeah. Off the back of that, they're experts in each of their areas, which is, as I say, finance and accounting, HR, legal, sales. Sales teams can't ever talk about all of them at once. Yeah, so they're all doing that daily. They benefit from it. They get business. They get inbounds. They get candidates. People, you know, when we go to any client, people know us now. Yeah. Any client meeting we go to, oh, seeing that you did this or did that. Because it's it's sharing not just a professional, a bit of personal and a bit provoking type of content to, when I say provoking, it's more... Drawing engagement, not Driving talking about something crazy. Yeah. But um it that really changed the game for us then because I started getting people approaching me to want to work for us. Which is why when I mentioned I was pretty happy about the guy coming from Michael Page who just landed today, took a, a lesser salary than off page off of them. But you know, well, he, he, he wished me now. Well, you think of it with us. Think about like you know Stephen Bartlett, Dragon's yeah. Den, right? He put an he put an advert up for an intern. Free, not paying you. You've got to you've got to pay yourself to travel the world with him for a year and film him and all this stuff. And he got like nine hundred applicants in an hour. Oh well, why? Because it's Stephen Bartlett. Yeah, because of his brand. People want to work for him. I know now. If I put an applicant, I mean, I'm not even hiring, and that's a different topic. But my business is not about headcount anymore. I know when I put an applicant, people want to work for me because they're like, I want to work for Sean, I want to work for Hawk. So yeah, it's a desirable brand to work for. Whereas when you're and it goes back to what you said a minute ago, this under-the-radar perception. Because people think headhunting needs to be stealth. It's bullshit. It's the complete wrong way of looking mm. at it. You want to be the most well-known recruiter in your space. You want to be the most desirable brand to work with, work for, work through. Because when you work with people, it's a stealth relationship. No one can ever know that you're talking to them about yeah. that job. Yeah, That's course. the stealth bit. Not yeah. the, But when you DM them and go, hey, I've got an opportunity, you don't want them to go, well, who the fuck are Calvin James? You need them to go, I know exactly who that is and I want to talk to them. Yeah. Because even if I don't want the job today, I need to keep you on my good side because in my career, I'm going to need you. You're, you're a useful asset yeah, yeah, to me, you yeah. know? And the fact that people are wanting to join you over bigger agencies is, I mean, I love hearing these stories, right? That's yeah, why I knew what I do. It was, it, was a, it was a really good point because that that's, again, why... I didn't realize before I was yeah. in Hoxo was what doors it would open. Yeah. And that's that's why it's come full circle. We still get business off it. You know, we get candidates approaching us in Dubai. It's You're getting thousands anyway, but yeah. it, it opens up and a bit about us. And if you're authentic and doing it and you're just showing who you really are or mixing up with a bit of professional on that, it just, it, it, it just, you can't really replicate that. No. Because you're just saying who you are at that point. And people either want to join or they don't. There's no hidden agenda. There's no like, you know, best place to work. However much you pay for one of them, I don't know. <laughs> but like that, that's yeah. It's just showing what we're about. And as long as it's consistent and authentic, then it like people can literally go back now and watch me for seven years on YouTube, right? So it's just, yeah. Oh, there's nothing I can tell you in an hour that's gonna fool you if you really want to do your research. Yeah, you're gonna go. That guy can't keep that facade up for seven years. Like yeah, yeah it is who I am, and and it's the same principle. So. If we look at that then, 2023, we started working together. Your business is in, I remember when I came out in April, you just finished the training, you just signed your office. What has the, the rest of this year look, been like for you? And tell us about yeah. the new 
because this new coaching, almost similar to what I've done with you, you'll yeah, yeah, you like took some of my model and you fully inspired me. You, you, <laughs> you thief, nah. You, but I love it. I love. No, you fully inspired me. Yeah. So, so off the back of obviously we built our brand now with with the agency. That's our bread and butter. Um, we've we've just launched five months ago in September, uh, the Calvin James Community, yep. which is more around. There's always been a problem since I've been in Dubai. It's not like I've created a problem. I've, I've, the problem's been there. It's been in my mind to set up a kind of coaching, networking type community for candidates. Yeah. Because if you look at the average numbers we're getting on applications per job, I mean, I put a slide out the other week on LinkedIn, which just showed a screenshot of my recruiter. Mm-hmm. At the back, back end of the recruiter, it says over the past three weeks, we had over 37,000 people apply for jobs just for my agency. So on rough estimate of about 20 jobs, it's about 1,800 people per job. There's only one job. So we only speak to maybe 20 people for that job from the applicants. We do our own deep dive into the market, headhunt, and who do we already know? So those three pots of people we speak to. Yep. The rest, is either people trying to get to Dubai, people that are on LinkedIn, but the LinkedIn's are, don't really suggest you know, they're right for that role, even though they know they are, they don't understand how to do anything different. So people just keep doing the same. So what I've created is a, a community where we, we, we equip you with the tools to basically recruit yourself yeah. into a Build job. your own personal brand. Build your personal brand right? and then go through the job search life cycle to pick up all those little one percenters like your CV format, your um, application strategy. Don't just use easy apply doesn't work in Dubai, right? So these little things, we, we break it down over a six-week course. Then you're into the community where we're doing ongoing networking events. We're bringing my clients from the agencies that we've got live clients. This is why it's quite unique. From my agency, we're bringing live clients to the events. To the events. And we're making those smaller events, maybe 20, 30 people, with people that make sense to each other. They're like speed dating, really, aren't they? For yeah, job. well, we don't just sit there with a coffee. We will play paddle tennis. Or we've got one coming up end of January, which is a fitness and wellness morning. If you're still here, you can do it. Kite Beach, 7 a.m. I'm gone. You're gone, day. Get one in next time. But anyway, we're doing different types of active networking for our community members exclusively. Um, so that is something that's, you know, I, I can't believe how well that's taken off in such, such a small, small space of time. We've had maybe over 3,000 people registered for the webinars. Money, right? It's making money. Mm. It's, it's got to make commercial sense as well. Of course. And we're offering, we're not trying to say as a candidate, if you've not got a job, you have to do this. We're offering another solution. If what you're doing right now isn't working, jump on one of my webinars to find out more. I do find that the, in our industry, like it is a big opportunity to, to monetize the candidate community. Like there's, there's, you know, we only ever got paid from the client. Yeah. Why? Like why? Yeah. To give them money. Yeah. Doesn't mean you can charge the same amount per. But if you're getting subscription revenue from candidates for different things. Yeah. You can double your revenue by using the people in your database. Exactly. And if, if I'm all recruiters, we're all people, right? We're just limited to the amount of people we speak to per day. Exactly. So if I'm doing it all on a webinar format, I can speak to and equip people on a bit more of a mass scale to give them the tools to get themselves an opportunity, to get themselves a job. If that gets you from the UK to Dubai, it's a worthwhile investment, right? So it's it's a game changer and that commu- and when you're building your professional network you take that with you forever yeah it doesn't just stop after the six week course you're in the community you never know what that connection will bring to you further down the line that personal brand you're growing now will open a door for your business potentially mate it's incredible yeah anyway and I'm proud so I could talk about it all day but that was fully inspired by you which I did let you know and uh, 
I'm, and I'm so, proud of you for it. Yeah. So that leads us on then to where you're headed. So we're, we're, yeah, we're sat here now in, in early 2024. You've, you've just hit the five-year mark, which is incredible. You've got that nine people. You've got your recruitment business, your bread and butter. You've got your coaching community you're building. Yeah. What does the what can you see in ahead? Because if we bring you back yeah. on the show in a year's time, when I'm back in Studio Red, <laughs> what what will we what will we be talking about? Yeah. So I, I, the the the, um, the agency is still our key priority right now is to grow the agency. Um, we've got a really established set team of of good billers right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to grow out each of those areas yep. with the right people so that'll still be a focus to, to provide a service for our clients at that on, on that side of it uh, the community where i feel is, is is way more scalable so we're just building out the infrastructure now to then take that to the next level effectively yeah. and and you know it's it's got global reach I mean, we've got members from brazil members from uzbekistan india pakistan ireland south africa yeah. uk I was in the UK recently and I had a, a, a members meet up in London. I went down to London on the train with six members there. So yeah. I went down to meet them. So we're doing all these types of things and it's just giving people, as I say, a different solution. And that's where I feel there's going to be a, a you know a bigger a bigger scalability than just the agency side. But they both kind of... They work hand full, in hand. Yeah, it comes full circle. And how many people do you think you'd want in that agency over time? How big will so the head count? Yeah, I want to get us a steady 10 people. Of, of solid recruiters um, that are, are doing good numbers. Yep. Um, by, I want that to be there by the six month period, by by the half year point, and then I'll just assess the next half of the year. Um, so, so whether we bring in we we bring in people below, I want to, just want to see where the market is, so we can split out those areas. We're not just a specialist in one area. The reason I didn't want to do that is I wanted to be agile and I wanted to maybe lock you've also come from. You've come from the similar setup, yeah. Yeah, I think it, you, I can tell. I, I don't know many ten man agencies that have got HR and finance. That, mm. that, that's that's got Robert Half stamped all over it. Or Michael. That's, that's what I all I knew, right? Yeah. So that's why I went that way. And I want. I don't like giving clients away. <laughs> so I don't want them to say, "Oh, I need someone in HR." Oh, we only do finance. Yeah. No, I, you know, I want to. But as long as your people specialize, then you're all right. I think exactly. If you're, so each person specialized. Yeah. So what what I mean by assess what we're going to do is. Okay, which market's really booming right now? Because HR last year for us was massive. HR, I'd advise anyone who doesn't have a HR recruiter to get one because they just open all the doors. Really? A lot of HR people don't like me. And it, we've always had a bit of an issue <laughs> yeah. a lot of time. Not all of them, but since we've had a HR recruiter, we've got accounts on that I've been trying to work with for years. Yeah, because they've got the relationships that accounts. Yeah, and they open the doors for everything. So if you don't have one, get one. Honestly. <laughs> it's a great idea. Yeah. And what? We talked a little bit offline, which depends on how much you want to talk about it but like your lifestyle stuff like we met in april yep we had a juice at lunch and then <laughs> i was trying and then i said to you do you want a beer Clarity. like do you want a beer and i was like i'll have a beer and you have a beer and then we ended up drinking until like midnight wasn't, yeah it wasn't the, and it was twist my arm on that and it was heavy wasn't it yeah and, yeah and seven eight months later you're, you've not really drank since and no i'm i've not i'm not drinking in january i'm i don't really want to put an end date on it yeah in january i'm enjoying it so what, tell us about your lifestyle and what's been going yeah. on outside of work. Yeah, so I, I I just decided to stop drinking. I've never had, anyone knows me, knows I've never had a good relationship with alcohol. I don't drink very often. When I do, I never want to go home. Yeah. I'm out till yeah. the last man standing, you know. And got to the point where people didn't, didn't even want to go out with me at that point. So we made to like, <laughs> no, not going out here, it's too messy. Yeah. Anyway, um, since I've had kids and, you know, I, I was finding it hard to balance the business with the family. I tended to turn to going out as my downtime. Yeah. And it just caused issues. But it, it, 
leads to more never crap had anything after. positive for the back yeah. of it. You just end up arguing, oh, we should have been it. You got the kids in the morning on you, and you're just, you're not the same person. So I just decided, let me just try and just see if I can stop. And that was back in April, yeah, May time. I don't know when it was. It was one. When I went out, you was so probably one of the last times I went yeah. out. Yeah. Not that I went out very often. It's probably my three nights out a year that I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that. So I was like, it wasn't a hard thing to stop. But you said you were drinking a bit in the week, weren't you? Like, yeah. So through the week, it, it got. It's probably off the. I was watching. What was I watching? Mad Men at yeah, the time. Yeah. And yeah. he was always on the whiskey. So I had a little try on the whiskey. So he ended up having a whiskey every night, just a small, small little glass. But then by the end of two weeks, he'd done a bottle. I'm like, hang on, that's not normal. Yeah. And I'm needing it. I'm looking forward to it every night. Didn't really like get to the point where it was out of hand, but I just knew it wasn't good. It wasn't a good Healthy. habit. Yeah. So little things like that started to play in my mind. And I was like, right, now nah, I need to change this up. But, you know, when kids come into the, the play as well and you've got family, going out getting drunk, it's not, it's not funny anymore. Well, that's, I think, what's changed my mindset is like, I've got a, a baby and I'm like, I want to see everything. Like, yeah. And I'm, I'm already working a lot. So like those moments I get, I don't want to be on over. I don't want to miss yeah. them. And you said it before, your downtime, if it's alcohol, well, it, the, the reality is you have that day out, but then it doesn't end there because you've got to get over it the next day. Yeah, yeah. And you're not the best version for a day or two. So you, your downtime leads to more pain. And like, I went out in I went out in December in London. Got Guinness all day. It was good fun. But yeah. I remember getting back on the train and I was like, oh my God, I felt horrific all the way home. Thought I was going to be sick. And I was like, I don't need this. Yeah. Got in bed, woke up. I, I'm one of them. I'll always get up and do what I need to do. I'll never lie in bed the next day. But got up, and I remember the kids were talking to me, and I just couldn't really engage. I was just like, "Oh, yeah, I'm making their sandwiches for school," and like, I was like, "I don't want to just do your thing." I, I really didn't. It didn't give them any attention, if I'm brutally honest. And then I had a crappy day the next day, and I thought, but then December, I jumped back on it the next day, and it, I, I drank way too much in December. Like, not <laughs> no, it's just massive binge, it's just two or three or four Guinness a day, and I got to Boxing Day, and my stomach was in agony, and I was like, "This is this needs a yeah. break." I don't know if I'll go all it's, year, yeah. but I'm hoping I, I can't. I think I'm, I think I'm in that. I think yeah. I'm, I'm fully off the booze. But the weird thing is, again, Christmas, New Year, we went back for the first time we've done in years. And obviously, I mentioned to you before, we had a, my wife's mum was a bit ill and mm. she had um, well, she had stage three cancer, which has got the all clear now, oh, which wow. is amazing. So it was actually turned into a really amazing trip to be with yeah, my family. Um, so, so being around in the UK in Christmas, it's just every social is around booze. Everything. Your mates, your mum and dad, one of the pub, everything's around that. And that that was the hardest thing is is to try and have a relationship with someone that's not evolved around. So it's impossible. Yeah, yeah. So what about out here though? Out here, like because it the brunch culture, but do you think you've kind of gone beyond that at your age and lifestyle that you're not as Yeah, I don't it was I never really liked it. I just did it because that's what everyone does. Yeah. And I knew every time I went to a brunch, I'm going to be in a mess. Yeah. And I used to fear going to it effectively because I was like, right, I just don't want this. But it's the only way all the lads I'm hanging around with are doing that. You know what I mean? So you end up doing it. And Dubai is probably the messiest place I've ever been. Yeah. So which is bizarre because you come out with all these like you know Muslim. You know, you think it's going to be Sharia law and all that, which it is. But it's also the messiest place I've ever been because it's all short space of time, four hours, drink all you can, eat all you can. Get and then get out. Yeah. So anyway, I never really got into that culture, but the one when I did go to it, it was just kind of just 
Yeah. But you find living yeah. here without drinking must be an amazing place to be. Oh, yeah. It's it's great. I mean, you can be outdoors. This time of year now is brilliant. I, mean, I try and live between here and the UK, but the climate in the UK, I go back in summer. Yeah. When it's too hot here, and I come back winter when it's great here. So you try and live between the two. Yeah. Which is the perfect I think balance. me, kids, school, when they get to a bit older, yours are a bit younger, aren't they? Well, four and two. So, so when they get old, to yeah. school, then you'll obviously be a bit more focused on the school holidays, won't you? You'll... Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So so now we're getting to a point where the kids aren't babies anymore. We've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Um, we've finally found the nanny we like. They buy problems, but um, it took us six nannies now wow. to find the right one, and she has obviously not had yeah. parents around, so it's been a bit tough. Yeah. But you know, we're at that point now where the kids are kind of almost sufficient, go to the nursery and all that sort of stuff, and the nanny's there. She's going to come back and work with us on the community side. She's going to be our new community manager. So this year I'm really excited about because it's not just all systems go with the business, the family, it's just get through the day. Yeah. Now we've got some really solid goals for this year to to push in all areas. Mate, thanks so much for your time and for giving it up and for sharing. Pleasure. I think anyone who's listening, if anyone's got questions for you, whether it be about the community or yep. anything you've said, you open, if I'll tag you on LinkedIn, you can have it. Tag me up. Yep. Um, again, we get a lot of messages in Dubai from mm-hmm. candidates, so it may be a bit of delayed response, yep. but I'll try and respond to everyone that, that wants to have a chat. Um, yeah, pleasure. Thank Legend. you. Legend. And I'll get you back on again in the future. We'll see yep. how it evolves. This time next year, we'll do it again, yeah? Do it. Top man. Great. Legend. Thank you as always for listening to today's show. I truly hope that you got value from it. Honestly, it's the only reason I take time every week to ensure that my audience, you guys, future and existing recruitment owners, you're learning from each other to make this industry that I love so much stronger. And today's episode is brought to you by my business, Hoxo. I'm the CEO and founder, and we're on a mission to help brand recruitment agencies and their people better. I wanna help people have the tools to stand out in the most competitive markets in the world. We're currently working with over 350 recruitment agencies and 5,000 of their consultants right now, helping them to build their personal brands to consistently win more business, attract talent, and just become that go-to recruiter in the market. Now, we do have a huge coaching program, but a lot of people don't know we also manage the brands of a lot of founders and we can do the rebrand of that company organizational piece as well so if your recruitment agency either needs help to look and sound exactly how you want it to or your leadership and consultant level need to get out there and drive more traffic back to that website to the business and start using linkedin to generate more revenue then you should definitely be reaching out to us if that sounds of interest please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or Drop me, Sean, a personal message on LinkedIn. I love hearing from RAG listeners. I would love to talk to you. Uh, Look forward to it. So I'll see you again next week with another episode. Catch you soon.